0: Hey there, Morgan here. Just wanted to let you know, I'm still on paternity leave. So we're going to pull one of my favorite episodes from the archives and play that this week. So this is from episode 14. It's an interview with a 95-year-old yogi, Joseph Gifford. I think you're going to love it. It's one of my favorite episodes. Okay, I'll see you guys in a couple weeks.
1: Enjoy. I know that when I go to, to meditate to that, that kind of quiet, deep, profound place, it's a place of nothingness. But I've realized that that's a place of everythingness. I didn't know this at first as I began to meditate. I just knew that I was, it was a big stress buster for me, as TM promised that you would get rid of mm. lots of your stress. But that's like the tip of the iceberg. Hello. This
0: podcast is sponsored by AboutMeditation.com and our free How to Meditate mini-course. Learn meditation in 5 easy lessons at AboutMeditation.com Welcome to the One Mind Podcast from AboutMeditation.com My name is Morgan Dix and I'm your host. On One Mind, we explore different angles on meditation, mindfulness and health. We interview experts and everyday practitioners to bring you the stories, the science, and the exploration that will help you understand why this ancient practice is more relevant and important today than ever before. Hi everyone, thank you for joining me today. I am so happy to share my interview with my old friend, the incredible Joseph Gifford. Before we get into today's interview... I have a message for you from one of our biggest fans, Athena.
1: Hi, everybody. I am doing this as a favor for Morgan. If you love meditation and you are a fan of this podcast, please leave Morgan a rating and a review.
0: Where can they do that, Athena?
1: Please head over to the great kingdom of iTunes and let them know how much you like this show by leaving a rating and review. Don't wait another second. Go now.
0: Okay, okay. We're good. No need to push the edge here. We're all friends. Okay. So back to today's show. So what's the secret to living for 95 years while showing relatively few signs of slowing down? That's one of the subtexts of this interview today with Joe. Joe is not what you might consider a traditional yogi. But to me, that's totally a formality. To my mind, Joe is the definition of a yogi. If you want one formal textual definition of a yogi, which I pulled from Wikipedia, quote, it's someone who knows that the entire cosmos is situated within his own body. I love that. But what does it mean? Well, this whole interview is the answer to that question. So Joe is a former professional dancer, And these days, he teaches actors and orchestra conductors. He started meditating about 42 years ago. When he took transcendental meditation and through different teachers and modalities, he hasn't stopped since. Today, Joe shares some of his secrets to loving life and living with what I would call a great abiding happiness. And in the end of this show, he shares his advice and tips for living a long life. But more than anything, for me, this interview is really about the intangibles. The source of delight and joy that radiates from within Joe's words. The promise and potential of life's mystery that hasn't dimmed or diminished for over 95 years. You need to hear this. I need to hear this. We all need to hear elders like this who express this kind of passion, clarity, energy, and something that goes way beyond optimism. This is really about the surging creative intelligence at the heart of life. I hope you find this conversation as uplifting as I did. And one final note. You'll notice both in the beginning and in the middle of the show, Joe's audio goes a little funky. So don't worry about it. It's just a very brief interlude where the audio goes funny. Just stick with it. It smooths right back out. So without further ado, I give you the one and only Joseph Gifford. Joe, welcome to the show. I am so happy to finally have you on here. Welcome.
1: Thanks, Morgan. I'm happy, too. There's are two of us happy.
0: I think we can just dive right in. I wanted to ask, can you start by saying a little bit about how you came to start practicing meditation? When and how did you start? What, what was the catalyst?
1: It was very simple, Morgan. I read a newspaper article about Transcendental Meditation. That was in 1973, long time ago. Mm. I was 53 years old, I'm 95 now, and it's it promised a stress release, all kinds of good things. I had been in psychotherapy, for a, had been for a long time. I had depression problems, even though I was very creative, deeply creative, there were still some problems. And I thought the years of therapy were okay, but not enough. And I said, I'm going to try this thing called TM. Mm. The center was just two blocks from where I lived in Cambridge, Mass. I, I was initiated on a Saturday. And the next day, Sunday morning, I did my meditation. I had my breakfast. And I couldn't move for like five hours. And I realized I had built up so much stress. It was like... A dirty bathtub with all the water going (laughs) out. And that was how I learned TM. Just that just a simple beginning.
0: Wow. For for real. You sat for five hours?
1: No, I just couldn't I was exhausted. Let's put it that way. I was exhausted. No, not sitting. I was exhausted for five hours. Absolutely exhausted. And I realized that I had built up so much stress, unrealized stress. I didn't realize Mm. I had so much stuff inside of my nervous system. So that's how I got started.
0: So you started in 73, yep. and you started with Transcendental Meditation. Yeah. When you started, did you notice benefits and effects pretty quickly oh, from doing oh, the practice? Oh, M- Morgan,
1: it was, it was astounding, uh, day by day, week by week. And my friends kept saying to me, y- you're different, Joe. You're different, you're softer, uh, you're easier, you're just different, and... Within a year, I went back to the center. and said, what's involved in these weekend residence courses? And I went up to my first resident course up in Orono, Maine. I'll never forget it. For a long weekend, twice as much meditation, seeing uh, movies of Maharishi, Maharishi Yogi, the great guru. Mm. And I got, so I knew that this is the path I wanted to take. And I took mm. all seven levels over the coming years. Mm. From 73. And I think I got my seventh degree, the flying technique in nineteen, I guess about seventy seventy nine
0: what was it like so for example, when you said your your friend started to see the difference in you right away, what was it?
1: Well, I didn't ask tell me, tell me how different I am. I just knew that my relationship to life, including people, was different. If I saw a red flower, a red rose, the red was deeper. things were. My ego wasn't so much in the way, let's put it that way. I was seeing Mm. the world more as it really was, even though I knew, I later found out I had many years to go (laughs) before I could eclipse that ego, before I could banish it and see the world as it truly was. But still, I was on the way, I was on the path.
0: Okay, so you've been meditating since 1973. Can you... (laughs) Which is fantastic. It's so important for people to hear that, our audience, those of you who are listening right now, because you still meditate now. It's, it's something that's been a life really since you started. It's been a consistent practice, and I can say that I know you. We've been through a, quite a bit together. We've been on retreats together. Can you talk to us, Joe, a little bit about how has your relationship to meditation evolved over the last 40 years? How has it developed also from Maharishi Mahesh Yogi into the present moment? Who have been your influences? And I'd love to hear more about that.
1: I think there have been three influences in my life. The first was Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. And then in the, about 1982, I heard about a technique called the Reiki. It's now called I've been with a group for many many years and the name was changed to the radiance technique authentic Mm -hmm. Reiki and that was a very transforming technique it wasn't a meditative technique but it was a, a a technique whereby your vibration your personal vibration is lifted to a much much higher level and it has a very transforming effect upon your system on your being your physical being Yes, and you're spiritual being. I've been practicing, mm-hmm. practicing that every morning since 1982. I became a teacher in 85, and I still do it once in a while. Then along came Andrew Cohen. That was another great teacher for me. I stopped practicing TM with a mantra. I went to his meditation, which is without a, without a mantra, just sitting in silence with the awareness that we're already free. There's nothing, no place to go if you're already free, which is an extraordinary vision of life. And uh, so those were three influences. Uh, Yes.
0: During that time, can you say a little bit about how you've seen the influence of meditation in your life change? How has it deepened? How, How has it shifted over the years?
1: Well, it's been extraordinary. Last year, I came back from, I work with conductors now, orchestra conductors. And I gave a workshop up in Nashville, New Hampshire for the fifth successive year. And I drove back with my assistant, David. And I said, gee, I I was in a very powerful place all those five days. He says, yes, yes, Joe. It seemed as if you were teaching, as if you were meditating at the same time. Mm. And I came home and I was by myself for a week And I thought, I'm in a very profound place of inner peace. And somehow, nothing can change that. That place is like forever. That place is a place of being rooted, non-bendable, like a forever timeless place. And it was an extraordinary week for me to, to be aware of that last year. So that's the ultimate for me. Uh, I I used to be fearful of death like almost everybody and there's no fear in here anymore. There's just that that forever and everness. uh, A place place of of emptiness in a way. I think that when I meditate that I think I know that when I go to to meditate to that that kind of quiet, deep, profound place it's a place of nothingness. But I've realized that that's the place of everythingness. I didn't know this at first as I began to meditate. I just knew that I was, it was a big stress buster for me. As TM promised, that you would get rid of mm-hmm. lots of your stress. But that's like the tip of the iceberg. Of course, stress is a beastly thing. But we don't want any of that because it clouds our perceptions. We don't see as clearly or hear. We can't open our hearts and love Deeply enough when there's we're involved with with stress, which is a tightening of all the perceptions and of your heart. You know, that's part of the journey. But then I began to realize there's a a deeper, deeper place to go, deeper space to go. As I said earlier, a place of nothingness, but somehow there's this depth of everythingness, of clarity. Yeah, I love the word clarity, where you see the world as it really is and not you wanting it to be this way. Oh, I like that what I just said. <laughs> you see <laughs> the world just, that, as it really is, not the way you yeah. want it to be.
0: I wanted to just back up for a sec, Joe. Did you say, because only for a minute the mic became a little fuzzy, but did you say earlier that you used to fear death but you don't anymore. I couldn't hear it because yeah, that that's
1: phenomenal, up. Morgan. Yeah, I, all my life. <laughs> yeah, can
0: you just speak to that a little more?
1: Yeah, sure. I think it's a part of our existence. If you like life, if you love life, uh, if you have family, if you have friends, if you love your work as I do, you want to keep doing it. You want to keep living life as you have been, and you don't want to leave that life, but I've come to be aware of phenomenal change. I'm not fearful anymore of leaving my body. I'm not fearful of leaving this life. I can't explain it more than that. I also have a sense of timelessness now, that we're all aware of time so much, you know, as we watch our clocks and so forth. But there's something beyond time. There's beyond the temporal, there's a sense of our being going on forever, ever. That's how I feel it these days, how I feel one's existence, at least my existence. Does that clarify things?
0: Very much. Would you say meditation has been one of the primary channels for your, the development of what you're describing, this, this sense of deeper unity or communion or timelessness?
1: Yes, a sense of oneness. Oneness with all is what I call it. Yes, it's obvious that after all these years, I'm still doing it. I, I meditate again this morning in my favorite little place in my living room. It's obvious that meditation has been a very important part of my journey toward freedom, uh, my journey toward a greater sense of the grandeur of life. Oh, absolutely. I would never, never give up my meditation. It's been a, a very important dimension in what I do, what I have been doing and still do. Mm. Yes, Mm. absolutely.
0: Joe, you mentioned that part of your current work is you work with conductors. And I know you've, in the past, you've trained actors, dancers, and performers of many stripes, but primarily now conductors. Can you speak about how you feel that your meditation practice infuses or in any way colors your work with conductors?
1: Yes. I, I, uh, Morgan, I used the word clarity before. And I like that word. I like what it means. Seeing th- what you see, the object in front of you with more clarity. You're not attached to it. It's separate mm. from you. That sounds cold, but it's really, it allows you to see more deeply into the object and the object being at the time being a conductor. Uh, mm. I had a lesson last week with my assistant, and what a great lesson that was. We both went to a new place. It allows me to keep going to a new place all the time as I work with conductors. I've been a recent guest teaching the actors at Boston University, the freshmen a few months ago and probably a few times here and there in the coming academic year. And it's the same with the actors. You talk to them about important things in their lives. You talk to them about, with the actors anyway, how many of you need approval? All the hands go up. How do you develop self-confidence, self-trust? How do you do that? And so forth. You set up questions. with the, Going back to the conductors, the body is the vessel through which you move through which you make music. Mm. And I always start with tension. And I always recommend, I don't push, I don't pull, but I recommend lightly that each one of them learns to meditate. So it, it allows me to kind of see things in a new way every time I teach. I'm writing a book on my teaching now, of 30 years of teaching, working with conductors. Mm. And I wrote just a few weeks ago a very interesting little essay about Not being too knowing. Now, what does Mm. that mean? Not being too knowing. There's a fine line between using your past experience to illuminate what you're doing, what you're creating. We're talking about the creative imagination, about making music, painting, writing, literature, whatever. So, how do you come to a place of not knowing? There's a fine line between Letting go of your past experience and being too knowing and going to that space of not knowing this. It's a matter of coming to a place in your life where you come to a place of innocence, like a young child, mm-hmm. where your experience is unknown. It's ahead of you, but it's non predictable. That's been an extraordinary adventure mm. for me, an experience of not knowing what's around the corner, of not knowing. And I always, when I teach, you're asking about how I work with conductors, I bring this up all the time, how you come to the podium, even though you have this great score, let's say Beethoven Fifth Symphony in front of you, you come to it as if it's for the first time. So how do you recreate yourself? Yeah. How do you come to that place of life, walking down the street, Morgan, as if it's for the first time? And I think that meditation is a very strong tool for coming to this place of what I call non-knowingness.
0: I think that's lovely. And how do you find that the conductors respond to this?
1: <laughs> some run away. <laughs> some don't stay with me. It's too much of a challenge, Morgan. <laughs> and some say, yes, yes. I want more of this. I feel more freedom. I'm getting more depth in my music making. I'm losing so many conductors do too much, and I bring a kind of Zen-like approach to their work where they do less. Mm. If you go to my website, the home page says very strongly, "In less is more." And I feel that's a very important principle in life. And I think, you know, meditation is a good uh, avenue for that coming to that place of silence and depth that less is more is there not more is more never more is more that's our society these days got to do mm-hmm. it got to do a lot of it you got to prove yourself and and so forth and so on and, but meditation is a place of silence profound a, a depth of finding something way beyond your normal place in life yeah mm-hmm.
0: I have another question. Sure. You often use the word seamlessness in relationship to life and music and conducting. What do you mean by the word seamlessness and why is it important?
1: Morgan, if you find my voice changing, it's because there are tears coming into my eyes now. Because... What seamlessness means to me is that there's a profound pulsing energy that moves through the world and through you and me and through all beings, through nature, through the trees, through the dogs in the street near me here. A pulsating energy, a transcending energy that moves through all of this, if you know that. You allow that to move through all of your experiences. No matter all, we all have bumps in the road. God knows. Our dear ones pass away. Our wives and husbands, our partners, our our dear friends pass away, and you're still here. And then you feel this ongoing, everlasting, non-changing, seamless, pulsating, transcending energy that moves through all of our experience all of it. That's what I mean mm. by living in the, with the quality of seamlessness, being aware of this universal, that's another word, this universal aspect of life, which is ongoing, never changing. We change, but this pulsating energy never changes. You go back to Beethoven, Mozart, and this God-given energy moving through the centuries, through space and time to us. I went with my partner some years ago to the Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg. We walked into the room where the Rembrandts were. Marvelous painter. Fantastic portraits. And it was like an illumination going on. Here 400 years later, 400 years later, there was this pulsating light. That's another word light, moving through from Rembrandt, from his palette, from his paintings, to us coming into that room. So that's a a window, a portal into what I mean by living with an awareness of the quality of the seamlessness of life.
0: I have a follow-up question to that, Joe. Yeah? Can you speak about stillness? For a little bit, when you speak about stillness, or you write about stillness, as you practice it, as you experience it, what are you talking about? Because there's there's obviously just as with the word seamlessness, when you talk about stillness, we're not just talking about sitting still. There's a deeper quality to it, and I wondered if you could speak to that. Yeah,
1: well, let let me start from a very practical viewpoint in answering to your question. So many of us have habitual patterns of behavior, speaking a certain way, moving a certain way, which we repeat. And often there's tension tied into these habitual patterns of behavior. If we become aware of these tension habits, vocal, moving, behaving, responding to people, to things, we begin to leave behind our past and we step into a newness. The journey is not easy and it takes a long time. I've worked with my students for many years. This is one way of coming to a newness, to freedom. That if you begin to let go of the body is a vessel of our past. The body is a vessel of our past. And if we begin to Let go of those tensions, those past tension experiences. Uh, The ego, of course, is involved in this, deeply involved. It's intertwined with tension. So we come to newness, as I was saying a while ago. We come to newness and we begin to let go of the busyness in our lives. You come to a place of kind of an inner stillness, an inner stillness which begins to feel like more inner peace, and that translates into outer stillness, outer peace. And stillness has a profound quality of of seamlessness. I go back to seamlessness. Yes, that's good. You become aware of that quality of transcendental energy moving through you. When you're busy, you become cloudy. Your perceptions become cloudy. But when you meditate and come to that place of quiet, deep nothingness, then you let go of the past, you let go of the busyness, you let go of the me, the me, the I, and you go to the other, to other people, your heart opens up much more. And you come to that place of more inner, quiet, more inner stillness. And as I said, that translates into more of a sense of outer stillness. There's a sense of purity about it. It's like a seed. It's a natural place to be. That's also good. You, mm. you come to your who you truly are in nature and you're part of nature. Hi, Morgan.
0: <laughs> so Joe, you have a quote I'd like to read. You say, and and I quote, The poet and the conductor knows that inherent in music, as in all of nature and life, there is an abiding silence. (laughs) Silence, ungraspable through the mind. Silence, which comes to be experienced and recognized. When we enter that mysterious realm beyond space and time, beyond our past experience, into the unknown. end quote. While you were just talking, it reminded me of this quote, and I wanted to ask if you could if you could say more about this, speak to the relationship between this silence and movement. And the transmission of that deep inner stillness or silence we discover and connect with during meditation, how that comes out into our lives.
1: When we meet other people, knowingly or unknowingly, we see them, we hear them, we feel them, because who they are in terms of what their vibration is, what their resonance is. We talk about being attracted to charismatic people. There's more light there. There's more resonance. But with that comes a kind of quiet, abiding stillness and also silence. I spent quite a while putting down those words that you just quoted because, boy, how do you describe silence? That's very difficult. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to bring it into kind of our real life now. So there's something which I call the law of resonance. You go from density to light. With density, people who are depressed, illness is dense, unhappiness is dense, but goodwill, joy, even ecstasy, the knowledge that, that life is really <laughs> marvelous. And you go toward that place we can call light, where there's a high vibration, high resonance. and. That's where you find lots of uh, a deep silence coming through. It, it's, it's, it's very subtle. It's there. It's pervasive. It's abiding, but it's there. It's hard to talk about, Morgan, this thing called silence. You have to mm. experience it. Again, it's beyond the mind. You can't find it through your mental process. It goes beyond the mind. The mind is very fickle. The mind sometimes clouds our perceptions, our deeper awarenesses. There's a deeper place beyond the mind within each one of us.
0: When you go to the opera, would you say that like, because I know sometimes when I'm very moved by a piece of music and something really touches me in the heart, often I am left in a very deep place of just silence, yes. wholeness. Yeah. And there's definitely, there are no words. I'm just, I'm resting in this very deep place. And I loved that word you used, resonating, because I think that describes, it's one of those qualities in the silence where there's an abiding resonance in, in life. I wonder, do you, when you go to the orchestra, is that something that's part of your experience, this silence when you're, listening to the music is that something that you are hearing or that you are tuned into.
1: You know, I was talking about this just recently to a friend. I go to the theater quite a bit. I'm going to the theater Saturday night. I go to the orchestra to symphony Boston Symphony about 12 times a year. It's a lot. I go to the the opera here. I go to the ballet a lot. I was a former dancer. And I was saying that When I go to any of these performing events, I want to be touched, deeply touched by the universal coming through on the stage, on the orchestra stage, the opera stage, whatever. If the creator of the music or the theater, even a great movie, if I'm touched by the universal coming through, something greater than sitting in a chair and watching and walking down the street, something greater than that. I want to be moved. I want to leave that hall changed by what I've experienced. And yes, there is an abiding silence moving through this. I went to Orchestra Hall, Symphony Hall rather, last year. I was quite early and I sat up in my usual seat in the first balcony there. There was nobody around. And tears came to my eyes because I, I felt how much being here had meant to me over the years past. Mm. How much, mm-hmm. how much I would gained of this glorious experience of great music. Does that help?
0: Yeah, you can't see, but I'm nodding.
1: <laughs> <Definitely>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Joe, after. Ninety-five years of life. So, what would you? Ooh, la, la, indeed. What would you say are some of the secrets to a long and happy life? I know that's a completely cliche question, but,
1: <laughs> yes, but it I, yes, it is. <laughs> I
0: ha- it is, and I have to ask it.
1: It's gradually, gradually, gradually. Finding lots of self-trust in oneself. Knowing that you're not perfect. Going on and on. Never predicting what's going to happen. As I referred to that earlier in our talk together. And, And letting go. Letting go of where you've been. That seems paradoxical, probably. Getting to learn things that get in your way and taking risks, trying to find new places to go. So many people get content in just sitting, achieving so much. I've had lots of students over the years, Morgan, achieve so much, and they wrap a little ribbon around their package, and they say, good, I I have it. It's nice. Mm. And that's not healthy. You always want to know more. What's around the corner? I want to know more of what I don't know. And my partner was a great scientist. He was always seeking, searching for what he didn't know. I've been looking back at myself over my many years. I look back now and with humility say to you that I've, always, I've also been a searcher. Seeking what I don't know. Always coming to a deeper, creative place of fulfillment, which means filled with fullness. Not happy with just the word nice. Nice isn't enough. Ecstasy is better. <laughs> and living life to the fullest.
0: I love the word ecstasy because it, if you break it down, it means... X stasis moving out from being stasis. Oh, that's
1: great! That's great! I love that. <laughs> I love that.
0: I love it too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you very much for that. And there also, just to even speak more directly to some of our listeners about meditation, a lot of them may be new to meditation or early on the path of meditation. What words of advice or tips would you have for folks who are just starting to meditate?
1: Well, I I think, uh, I hear many people saying, I can't meditate, Uh, my mind is too strong, but to know that the mind is a thinking machine, it's always going to be there, and you don't knock it around, you don't know, push it around and say, go away, mind. You just let it be there. The sun is always inside. And the clouds may come over and cover the sun. The clouds may be the mind. Let the clouds come and go. Never mind the clouds and the mind. The sun is deeply within. It's there all the time. It's abiding. And just be aware of that. Trust that sun inside. And another important thing is, I had to learn this when I was a young meditator. If you've had a peaceful, although I'd like to say there's no good or bad meditation, although if you've had a kind of a peaceful, very quiet meditation one day, don't try to recreate it the next day. (laughs) Just go to a new place. Every time you meditate it, let it be as if it were for the first time. As, As you sit, it's as if you're doing it for the first time. You don't try to go back to what you did the day before to recreate that. Every time you sit, it's as if it's being for the first time. And that should be a metaphor, as far as I'm concerned, for a, as you go from moment to moment, from day to day in your life. It's a, it's like the first time.
0: I think it's a, a perfect place to end. And Joe, if people... Want to be in touch with you if they want to learn more about your work. I'd like to include some links in the show notes. How can they get in touch with you? How can they learn more about what you're what you're up to?
1: Well, I have a very fine, handsome, uh, very very handsome website, Morgan. It's www.josephgifford.com. That's one place to go. Okay, great. And then there was a documentary made of my life about three years ago. It's called. The Legacy of Joseph Gifford. And there's a very sweet, very short little movie trailer on YouTube. Again, it's called The Legacy of Joseph Gifford.
0: Everyone, I'm going to include links to Joe's website and also to that YouTube trailer. And I can tell you, I've seen the movie. It is very poignant. It's very moving. It was wonderfully done by a friend of ours, Joe Uchiyama. So I recommend everyone see it. Joe, is it possible for people to see the film?
1: Jill is in the process okay. of putting it in Vimeo. And if you can go to Jill Uchiyama, U-C-H-I-Y-A-M-A at gmail, jilluchiyama at gmail.com. Get in touch with her. And she's in the process of putting it on Vimeo now, and you'll be able to, to sign in on it for a few bucks if you want to buy it for a few more bucks, whatever. I'm not sure. It's a good, it's a bargain. And be in touch <laughs> with, with Jill Uchiyama, and she'll alert you as to how you can get hold of it. That's great. We're, we're having a, our first film festival next month in New York City, and Jill can tell you about that, too, if you live in New York
0: congratulations joe that's awesome that's great everyone i'm going to include also the link then to jill's website and her email address so you can if you want to see the film you can be in touch with her directly again i if you enjoyed our conversation today you'll love this movie it's beautiful it is really a beautiful piece of art joe thank you so much for coming on the show I love talking with you, and I think our audience is going to get a lot out of this. So thank you.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Morgan. I had a ball. I really had a great time. Thanks a lot.
0: So I hope you enjoyed this interview with Joe Gifford. If you'd like to contact Joe, learn more about his work, or watch the short movie about his life, I've included links in the show notes of this episode. Head on over to www.onemind.com to find those links. That's www.onemind.com. And if you enjoyed this episode of the One Mind Podcast, why not leave me a rating and a review? Let me know how I'm doing. I love to read your reviews and I do read every single one of them. You can leave me a rating and review over at iTunes. Also, this show was sponsored by our free How to Meditate mini course. You can learn meditation in five easy lessons and sign up over at aboutmeditation.com. And finally, I'd like to end with a quote. This one is from the famous yogi Paramahansa Yogananda. He says, Live quietly in the moment and see the beauty all before you. The future will take care of itself.